Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Rass and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. My hat is all jacked up. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. Here's our co-host, Randy Griggs, coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B- minus out here in California. Randy Griggs, you are back. From assignment, I didn't tell anybody where you were last week, and I made it very clear that it wasn't just for your protection; it was for theirs as That's well. Right. Um, because I mean, it's really no laughing matter when one of us goes on location. How are you? Exactly, today? exactly. Well, I appreciate you uh, keeping everything classified as it is best for all parties involved, and Indeed. I'm excited as can be to get back here. Obviously. Uh, would have been nice to join you for the, the Cuban episode for our wild card, but I am back for the real episodes. We are kicking off Broadleaf tonight, and this is, I got to say, literally one of my favorite tobaccos in the world. So super excited to come back uh, this week, and uh, we have one heck of a show that I'm really pumped about. Absolutely. Well done, Randy Griggs. I am excited as well. We've got... <clears throat> The boys back in Colorado, we've got a special guest we'll announce in a quick second. Everybody in Colorado, how are you guys doing today? Are you wearing matching t-shirts again? Uh, no, no matching t-shirts today. I'm actually That's going, a bummer, actually. I'm going the collared route. Wow. wow. Maybe like a interview today or something? Eric's got a date tonight. Uh, no, there was, some, there was some business going on in Dojo headquarters tonight, though. Oh. Business. So I wasn't some far serious, off with the job interview thing. Some serious business going on. You know, we're always working... Working the uh, working the boards, trying to make things happen, keep things going. Um, but I will tell you this, uh, guys, kicking off Broadleaf with this show tonight and with this guest tonight, I couldn't be more excited because honestly, this is we're gonna smoke an incredible cigar tonight, and we're gonna have coffee, which I typically don't do this late at night. Because it keeps and you me up. couldn't even do the actual pairing. I that's did so rude. the actual pair. So I put a little bit of I put a little bit of sugar and a little bit of cream in mine because that's the way I like my coffee. Black. Jordan, sue me. But guys, we I'm this super is pumped. Black Robbie, Robbie, Randy, we are so glad to have both of you guys on the show back tonight. This is going to be an epic episode of look, Flavor Odyssey. Look at my shirt. It's backwards. <laughs> it is. Backwards. <laughs> I did that so that like when I look uh, when I look at you, it looks like I'm looking at you. That's great. Is that good for you guys? You're like, <laughs> I, I, I'm doing this for you people, okay? So it's, 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 I think it's fantastic. I, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying, but I think it's great. Um, no, it is. Man, Randy and I haven't feel like we haven't done a show together in like a month. 
Um, but we'll get into that. We've uh, we've kept you all waiting, buried the lead long enough. Joining us tonight, one of my absolute favorites in this industry. With, I mean, he's got so much history. Like he's just going to talk all night, and I don't have to say anything. Randy's going to keep talking, and I'm just going <laughs> to sit back. I'm going to drink my coffee, maybe have some bourbon. Nick Malillo, Foundation Cigars, is here with us tonight. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Guys, my pleasure. Um, Colorado, I forgot what Colorado represent tonight. That's yeah. right, baby. Dojo Nation, yes. <laughs> I'm feeling Colorado vibes right now. I know. Remember, for me, Nick, guys. remember when you used to pop into the studio like every couple months, man? Those are the days. I, I was like one of the first ones, right? You were the first one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you were the first Colorado. one to sign the famous the, the famous refrigerator. You were the first one. Nice yeah. honor. So you were you were one of the like the first live guest. Is that is that correct? Am I hearing that right? I think he might have been the he first. He was the first one to be in studio. Wow, in studio. Yeah. Wow. I didn't and one of the most frequent guests in the history of dojo. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, easy. You know, there's a there's a uh, Colorado Nicaragua connection. Mm. Nicaragua, we call it. <laughs> uh, you know, Boulder is Boulder is the sister city to Jalapa, Nicaragua. Um, so there's there's actually a good friend of mine, Josh Berman, who lives in uh, in Boulder. He wrote the Nicaraguan travel guide. Uh, the moon Nicaragua travel guide. So there's a cool Colorado Nicaragua connection. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, that's interesting. Boulder is a sister city to a lot of places that I love. I'm going to like well, Jalapa more than I thought. And that band that you had in your music <laughs> video is from Colorado, right? The Reminders. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the Reminders. Colorado. Uh, I, I, I've got an important question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> who, who decides... What sisters, sister cities, or cities, sister cities? That's really hard. Their parents. It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, great question. Who comes up with this stuff? Well, I, great question. I, I can tell you, there. Whoever is in charge is good at it, Rob. Because I was born and raised in Santa Cruz, California, which is sister cities to both Colorado, uh, Boulder, and Berkeley, and they're both cities that I have great affinity for. Nice. They're, they're doing it right. They're doing it's, it right. It's, it was. It wasn't a very good question. I was just being facetious. No, it, it is. It this is the, to, what the hell? These are the kind of questions I. I uh, Keep you up at night. Nights look. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's just do geography the whole rest of the show. Guy. Yeah. It's. It's a. It is definitely a Google moment. <laughs> how how uh, do I geography? That charter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's amazing. I, I was I'm waiting. I'm gonna find that out though. That. That's a good question. There must be. I wonder if it's just how they choose it, or if there's actually some. You know, connection that over you know time that that made it be that way. Yeah, I I thought for sure Randy was going to say, well, I've been on one of the committees, and, told him <laughs> and I, I just because he's 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 got his hands in everything. But uh, uh, speaking you. of what we have in our hands, Randy, I had a great segue going there. You tried to interrupt me, but I didn't let you. Uh, tonight we are smoking the phenomenal, absolutely fantastic uh, tabernacle. Uh, from Foundation Cigars, just a fantastic. Now, this was your second release from Foundation. That was um, yeah, 2016. So well, Wednesday was our first release, and then we released Tabernacle. Um, it started shipping fall 2016. Yeah. That that year, we also released Charter Oak, um, the Maduro, and the and the Shade. Awesome. Yeah. yeah this. <clears throat> This cigar is is just fantastic. I uh, 
I love it. You got the Toros there, right? Yeah, I think that's we're smoking the Toros here, right? Yeah, we've just started um, actually shipping again. We're getting, you know, there's small quantities kind of entering the market. We were we were out for about um, I think almost three months, and uh, just the past uh, month and a half, we started shipping again. It's so good. Yeah, such a yeah. good cigar. Uh, yeah, broadleaf uh, broadleaf wrapper, San Andreas Mexican binder. And then the, the filler leaves is a mix between Jalapa, Esteli, and um, Honduras. A little mm. bit of Honduras. Mm. We, over here, we're fun. smoking this super secret uh, yeah. humidor version of the cigar. And Nick, nice. the, the what was the story on this one again? So the collectors, that you, you got that from the collector's chest? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's only, there's only 250 of those boxes that exist. Um, that was a 30-count. Uh, tabernacle Corona, but it was one of the Coronas, you know, when I blended the Tabernacle, I had, um, you know, almost seven different blends that I thought could have made the cut. So that was one of the, the other seven for the collector's box. That collector's box, we, I just did as a special run, 250 boxes when we opened up our office in uh, the Connecticut River Valley in Windsor on a tobacco farm. So we're just like, yeah. we're just really cool over here, just yeah, you know, fine. smoking the best of the. Yeah, best. those are, those kind of slipped by the scene because we we kind of had them at the show, you know. We just did 250 boxes and and that was that was probably one of the kind of most limited kind of runs we did. Was that collector's box? It's cool and size. Jordan, it's cool Jordan size. Jordan and Eric, I gotta ask. So, do you guys just like have a whole box of those then? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> we do. We do have that. We have the collector humidor. The humidor is so stinking. Yeah. And Nick, you've done this in a few different yeah, yeah, cigars, yeah. but that you you that it opens up into like a. It's like the Voltron box. Yeah, there's all these compartments <laughs> yeah, that are nice. opening up all over the place. I, there might even yeah. be like another thirty cigars in there that I haven't found yet. <laughs> yeah, a, a good friend of mine had given me an old Cuban box, and it was unlike an, any other Cuban box I'd seen. It was actually lacquered on the top, but it was a Hoya de Monterey box that was dated, I think it was dated 22. Um, you know, my friend knows I love, you know, old cigar boxes. Uh, unfortunately, there's no cigars in it, but that was really the inspiration for that collector's piece. And now the five-year anniversary box that's just started shipping, finally. There you go, Randy. That's your cue, Randy. <laughs> Boom. Jump well, in, Randy. Uh, go, Randy. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me just ask, because last time I saw yeah. you on an interview, I'm I'm a huge fan. Dale Wawense is, uh, and I'm not pandering because you're a guest. I, I'm a, gen, a genuine fan. But Dale Wawense is my hands down. I mean, it's what Nicaraguan tobacco tastes like to me. Like that, yeah. that typifies it for me. Um, so I'm super excited about the new five year anniversary release release. Uh, congratulations on five years, by the way. Thank you very uh, much. Appreciate it. But, but I heard that it was shipping in September and here I am in October searching Google every <laughs> single morning when I wake yeah. up and I still yeah. have Yeah. Well, they're going to be, you know, there's it's like a pandemic going on, Randy. Things get slowed down a little bit. It's not all about you <laughs> and your needs. There's a lot of stuff going on these days. Yeah, and that is the real reason, um, because usually I am in Nicaragua, um, so things have just been taking a lot longer. So I was faced with the difficult choice to start shipping now 
which there's only 400 boxes in existence, or wait until probably the beginning of 2021 to ship more boxes at once. Um, so, yeah, we just started shipping. So we're, we're already late. You know, usually we launch, you know, we show the products, the new products at the IPCPR, which is usually in June or July. And then that's when we, we make the offerings to the stores around the country. And then usually we're shipping by the end of August, September. Um, you know, the same thing happened when I started and well, Wednesday came out. I was hoping to ship uh, beginning of September. We didn't ship five years ago until the last week of September. So, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because you want everybody to get them and you just got to make sure they're right. And yeah, global pandemics don't help. True story. <clears throat> True All story. Right, so, so other than yeah, the tabernacle in our hands, I'll, I'll start by sharing what, what I'm drinking, other than I've already been called out that I'm sipping on some uh, some rye and a, and a stout over here. I have in my... In my <laughs> some smoke, extra hands, buddy. <laughs> in my smoking cigars uh, tumbler here, and a big shout out to Smokin, who provides all the cigars for Flavor Odyssey. Uh, I have a home-roasted Colombian to about a medium roast, uh, right just at second crack, uh, steeped for four minutes at 200 degrees in a French press. And um, super looking forward to Nick talking a little bit about the flavors of Broadleaf and uh, helping us to determine if this is the perfect pairing for the Broadleaf wrapper. Well, I, I will tell you that in my uh, Snoopy mug <laughs> here, a uh, big, big Snoopy fan, by the way. Um, <clears throat> I am sipping on some. Apparently, it is Starbucks, which I never drink. Um, a holiday blend, and it's out of a Keurig, which I never use. I had. I, I'm. A, I'm more of a pour over guy, uh, with the Chemex. Yeah, but, baby. Uh, I kind of ran out of time. I had these grand visions of going to get a single origin uh, Nicaraguan bean coffee, and I just did not get a chance to get to it. So I'm going with kind of a, a more standard type of offering here from the coffee standpoint. And I got to tell you, it doesn't suck. The pairing doesn't <laughs> suck. But we will uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later. Boys, are you even partaking in the... I know, Eric, you Whoa. put all kinds of weird stuff in your coffee. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, what are, we, what are we drinking here? What is I, I should have looked, but it's, core, it's a local roast. It's a, it's a medium roast, doing a pour-over strip style. Um, get you guys some new mugs. We need some dojo mugs. This is a sick mug. This is like when you find at a diner. Yeah, but it's it would white. look cooler if it had a do dojo logo That's on it. True. That's true. That is true. Uh, yeah, Jordan's got Jordan's uh, got a sick coffee maker, man. If you're ever gonna get a coffee my maker, coffee it's maker is handcrafted in the Netherlands. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Super limited edition pistachio. <laughs> I want you to tell me stories in that voice. <laughs> oh, I will. And I don't even really care what I'll the stories are about. I just I just want to listen to them. Um, okay, so all jokes aside. Uh, Nick, we've got you here. You're the chief of the Broadleaf. Let's and then we're kicking off the Broadleaf section of uh, of season two. So we've got we're going uh, the way that we break it down. If this is your first time uh, watching the show, uh, welcome. Um, we this season we're kind of searching for that perfect pairing, so to speak, with each uh, not with each rapper, but with six different rappers that we chose. And at the beginning of each rapper, we have a guest on the, uh, someone who we feel. Um, 
has done a fantastic job of using that particular leaf. And when we decided to have broadleaf, having broadleaf on uh, in season two was uh, absolutely a no-brainer. And it wasn't. We didn't even have to have a discussion about who the guest would be because it would be the chief of the broadleaf. Why would it not be? So, uh, and plus, we love having him on the show, and it's fun to talk to. So that's all helpful. But uh, so, tell us, what is it about broadleaf? Uh, because you use it often. Uh, you you've used it. Uh, you blended some of the cigars that, I, as far as I'm concerned, put this wrapper on the map. Um, so what is it specifically about this leaf that, uh, that draws you to it? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's just a very unique leaf that I don't think, um, is, it's very distinct to Connecticut because of the soil and because of the state. So Connecticut is a corrupted word of the word, um, alongside the great tidal river in Mohawk. That's where Connecticut comes from. So the Connecticut River is 406 miles long. It starts in the northeast corner of New Hampshire. So if you go into a map and go farthest northeast corner of New Hampshire and the border of Canada, you'll see Lake Connecticut 1 and Lake Connecticut 2. Then the river starts its journey south, 406 miles, cuts New Hampshire, is this the uh, correct graphic? Vermont, <laughs> that is that is perfect. We're on the same vibe. Um, <laughs> cuts through uh, Massachusetts is the border between New Hampshire and Vermont. Cuts through Massachusetts into Connecticut into the Long Island Sound. When it passes through the north of Hartford, Connecticut, and into Massachusetts, there is the Connecticut River Valley, and this valley has been growing some of the most amazing cigar tobacco in the world for a long time. And it is because that this used to be a lake, Jordan. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Uh, we didn't name these or anything. There, it is. there you go. Perfect. Yeah. So Lake Hitchcock, after the glacier, you know, melted, I, don't, I forgot the exact time period, but it's in that 15,000 year range. It left Lake Hitchcock. And then when Lake Hitchcock receded down it became the connecticut river but you see there in connecticut where there's that large you know it's a finger lake that large portion of the lake there in that area is the connecticut river valley that's mm -hmm. really the growing region because that bed left a very sandy loam soil in that thirty thousand acres um you know north of harford so what happens is because you have so much sand in the soil, it acts as a natural water filtration where it goes down deep before it hits clay. So the tobacco plant roots are trying to find water. We're also trying to stress the plant. Uh, if you go to the oh. broadleaf, there you go. Okay, that was it. Uh, go, yeah, go, go back to that one. There's the broadleaf plant. It's very short, stocky. The roots of that plant, you see the sand? It, it almost looks like you're on the beach sometimes. I mean, it's it, it's amazing. It's, it's very unique, very different than Nicaragua, Cuba, Dominican. So that sand acts as that filter, and the roots of that plant try to find the water. And it goes down really deep before it hits the clay, which establishes you know really strong root system that makes for heavy, thick, flavorful, naturally sweet, 
tons of earthiness. It's got body. It's got strength, but it's not overwhelming on the palate. And then you take that and blend it with rich filler tobaccos, thick, heavier Visos Ligeros, you know, a San Andreas Mexican wrapper. Put that all together. You know, to me, it just it just hits on on all cylinders, you know, flavor. So that's actually the, the Cuban seed, uh, Jordan. So if you go back, go back to the uh, the broadleaf uh, plant picture. You see, it's a very short and stocky plant. It's really typically not a wrapper grade uh, style plant because usually filler tobaccos are shorter, stockier, thicker. So this is the trouble with Connecticut broadleaf, why it's so difficult to use, ferment, and manufacturers have difficulty with it because of the yields. So typically it was used for more mass market style products. So there's a lot of the more, you know, your your backwoods, your natural leaf kind of wraps because they can cut in between the vein of those leaves. So they get much better, you know, yields in that sense. But it's not typically, um, Jordan, if you can go to one of the pictures where I'm kind of, um, there's flowered plants in the field. Did uh, I send you those? Okay, there's, yeah, go back to that one. That's, that's broadleaf in the field. You know, that's, it's, it hasn't gotten water a bit. It's wilting a bit. It's towards the end of it, its cycle. But you can see in general, they are more like filler style plants if you see them in the field. Whereas wrapper, different wrapper grade tobaccos like Connecticut Shade, Ecuador, because there's less sun exposure, you know, in Ecuador you have clouds all the time. The plants grow very tall. They're much thinner. The vein structure is much thinner. They're more wrapper style kind of tobaccos. Does that make sense? Am I throwing, throwing, throwing you guys no, off? No, that, no, this is great. I have, a, I have a series of questions. Rob, cut me off when you need to. Uh, so, so okay, let, so, um, <laughs> so let, me, let me start with, with, with to, to me, the, one of the things um, that uh, I'm super curious about that I've never quite understood. So uh, the Maduro, to say Maduro, uh, it's been bastardized a little bit through marketing, but my understanding of what a Maduro tobacco wrapper is, is that longer, higher temperature fermentation uh, that is, uh, for some reason, completely parallel with this tobacco. Can you tell us why you only see broadleaf as a Maduro? And why isn't there a natural or a sun-grown version of, uh, of broadleaf? So for, for me, Maduro is color. Sure. Right. I mean, that's it's really color. You know, you have Maduro, you have Oscuro. So it, it's more, you know, color. So all, a lot of these different style tobaccos can become Maduros. Right. Even some of the Connecticut shades, you have something called Desflorado. They're more of the higher priming stuff. They're thicker. They can get much, you know, much darker. Um, broadleaf is thicker. Right. There used to be a lot more. um uh, a lot of the Connecticut companies back in the day, they actually had lighter color, Rosado, Broadleaf, Claro, like all the old brands that my, my grandparents used to smoke, they used to have every shade color. So used to go, used to have Claro, Colorado Claro, they were all Broadleaf. Um, cool. So you can make lighter, uh, generally, you know, those style brands were not fermenting all the way through, hence they could keep the color. 
Mm. Right. But so it wasn't those Connecticut cigars back in the day. They were, you know, they started as, you know, they were like 50 cents, 60 cents. When I, when I started working the stores in 96, they were like a buck 10, you know, because they didn't ferment the tobacco all the way. They would do what we call like um, they would basically uh, stick it all into heated rooms and heat sweat it. We call it sweating. That's where they would put the boxes into Whereas the, the stuff we're using it on the tabernacle, that's a year and a half, two years in fermentation because that's what makes the difference in the flavor, right? Time, longer time, lower temperatures preserves the flavor. You know, it's my grandmother's pasta sauce, low simmer, <laughs> fresh ingredients, all, you know, low simmer all day. Oh, yeah. Because once you turn that heat up, you do start losing a lot of the good stuff in the essence to the elements. It starts evaporating, right? That's what I think fermentation means in, in Latin, favere, to boil, right? Mm -hmm. If you do that too much, eventually there's nothing, there's nothing left. Right. So a lot of times, you know, I don't know. Sometimes guys say stuff is young a lot. Sometimes stuff is too over-fermented too much mm -hmm. because you can bring fermentation piles up hot, you can get them done quicker and you can, you know, get it done. So you're, you're producing it quicker, but it's really time and low, you know, taking the time to do it. Makes, so Nick, does, on that, it's not some sales pitch, you know, it's It's what really makes the tobacco and preserves the flavor of it. On that, on that point, um, do you, do you ferment this differently? Cause I have seen, I've been on factory tours and I won't say the factories where they made the pilones intentionally like, you know, half the size to do that so that the process does take longer. Do you, do you do something similar with this tobacco to make sure that it does take longer so that it doesn't heat up too quickly? Yeah, that, I mean, that, it depends on different stages of it. People might have smaller fermentation piles. Some people might not have enough tobacco. That's the difficult thing with broadleaf and using it. If you want to ferment it, you know, you got to have at least... 7,000 pounds to get that heat up to you can't have it too low at the same time Eric because you know it, it won't work at all right then it won't work at all yeah so that's the about you know it's we're always looking for the balance between the extremes because there's a lot of times where I'm smoking fermentation piles and testing the tobacco in the journey and let me tell you it's hitting can we swear on this show yeah yeah sure it's it's tasting fucking incredible but it's not going to be at a combustion rate that is acceptable to the market. Mm. So then you mm. go and ship it to everybody, they'll be like, oh, my God, this thing, it doesn't burn. I had to light it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And even so, even with really good fermentation, you have broadleaf, thick, veiny. Mexican San Andreas, thicker, heavier, Maduro style. Vizos, Ligeros, heavier filler tobaccos. If you don't light, if you're not smoking it all the time and you let it go out, you know, it's going to go out quick because it's so heavy. That's the style. That's the nature of the tobacco. Um, so I'm, I'm getting off in tangents, but yeah, sometimes it's hitting where you want to put it, but it needs more time because it needs that, that burn line to be acceptable. Um, but then if you take it too far, you literally break down the cellular walls of the leaf to it disintegrates mm. you know it's like boiling water in the pot if you leave the boiling water on the on the stove eventually you're burning the pot yep. 
with tobacco, if you take it too far, those walls go beyond a point. You try to open that leaf, it disintegrates within your eyes. It just starts disappearing. And then you're screwed, you know, then there's no going back because you can't go back in time. You know, you could, you could be a year, year, you know, year and a half slow and steady, you know. I feel like Slow and steady wins the race. Before we go too far into the leaf itself, a lot of guys sometimes get confused, and I did when yeah. I, earlier on as well, because you see Connecticut shade and Connecticut broadleaf all the time. And I, at the time, just wondered, like, is broadleaf just more fermented or something? Or are these, you know, they're two different varietals, right? What's the, what would shade, it, shade and broadleaf? Right. Yeah, yeah, two different, so, two different animals. Yeah, shade is shade, broadleaf, Cuban seed, Connecticut. All of them, excuse me, completely different an animals. So Connecticut shade. You want me to get into it? You want me to get into the yes. detail? All right. Yes. <laughs> All right, Randy. Please. <laughs> so the Connecticut shade was developed in their late 1800s because Connecticut broadleaf and Cuban seed was getting killed in competition with the Dutch who were growing amazing wrapper leaf in Sumatra and Indonesia, right? You had a whole different growing climate there, a lot of jungles. There was a lot more shade for the plants. The way they cured it, it made very thin wrapper grade tobacco. So when manufacturers, you know, and cigar production is booming at this time, you know, it's it's kind of taken off. So manufacturers favored it amongst, you know, what we just went over with the broadleaf, heavier, thicker, less yielding. Cuban seed is a whole nother story, poses a lot of uh, challenges. So the Department of Agriculture in the late 1800s started developing and working on seeds. And eventually they hybridized Sumatra, Cuban seed, and broadleaf. And that gave birth to a whole nother seed, which we know as Connecticut shade. That was the birth of Connecticut shade, which then evolved into someone having the great idea of growing the tobacco under cheesecloth shaded tents to mimic the conditions of Sumatra. So once you put the shade cloth tents, you create a microclimate within that tent, 10% more moisture, heat, now the sun exposure. So that plant is growing to the sun. It wants to flower. So it now has to go higher to reach the sun. So the plants start becoming much taller, beautiful golden leaves, which we know as Connecticut, Connecticut shade. And that really is what the Valley became more known for and which is now used on all these cigar brands, even though it's not necessarily Connecticut. Um, and that's why it becomes confusing, I think, for guys too, which is a great question because yeah. I, I see that often. So that, yeah, so the Connecticut shade, eventually what happened was it dominated the Valley. Um, that's what farmers were growing. It was one of the most prized, most expensive wrapper-grade tobaccos in the world. And in the late 80s, that seed was brought down to Ecuador, 
And from the late 80s, early 90s to now, slowly the acreage of Connecticut shade in Connecticut has diminished to maybe 50 acres today um, mm. um, compared to, you know, many thousands uh, before that. So, so yeah, so Connecticut shade has moved, but broadleaf is the opposite story. We can't grow enough broadleaf. There's not enough broadleaf and there hasn't been for the past three years to really supply the demand amongst you know, the premium handmaids and then also the mechanized world. Okay. Sorry. Which, sorry, Rob. I, yeah. I have, I have two quick uh, follow-ups to that. So I'll, I'll stick yeah. with the follow-up first. So I've heard you reference before that, um, uh, that, uh, shade acreage is diminishing. Is that same acreage going towards broadleaf production or is it going to other commodities in agriculture? Uh, there's a, a combination of both combination okay. of both, you know, so, so, some, some of, of it's become broadleaf. Some of it has, others been sold to Amazon and and things of that nature. Others are being used for, you know, uh, there was some some hemp being experimented with. You know, there's a lot of pumpkins, things like that. Um, I think guys were growing some ingredients for beer at one point also. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, the now the way you spoke about um, the, the Sumatra that was brought there, the the broadleaf and the Cuban seed makes it sound like you're making the argument that broadleaf is a land race, uh, a, a regional varietal that comes from that area. You know, that's hard yeah, to believe though with it in a lake previously. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good question. And I, I get a lot of different information. Um, so th there, there's a, a bunch of, different sources that say it actually came from Maryland at one point. So huh. there was another, another type of tobacco that was indigenous to, you know, Connecticut being grown. Some also, some though say it was indigenous to this area. Um, but yeah, it was a lake, but I mean, tobacco is native to, you know, this hemisphere you know, we, what we know, it's we've traced it back to, you know, about 2.1 million years old via Peru. They actually found uh, the fossilized tobacco. A Dutch guy found the only fossilized tobacco that I know of, um, and it was dated 2.1 million years old. So, you know, the timeline is maybe 30 to 50,000 years. People crossed the, the land bridge. So we don't really even understand how long tobacco has really, you know, being used. It's yeah. uh, so broadleaf. I don't know. I, I, I there's, I'm hearing a lot and reading a lot Maryland, but then I'm also reading conflicting, you know, documents that say it was actually indigenous to this area. Wow. I think I think a lot of places had, you know, they were growing um, what we call uh, rustica. Mm -hmm. tobacco which was wild tobacco and it was it's a much different style plant it's very small the leaves are smaller but it has a very high nicotine content like <clears throat> 10 10 times what we smoke in cigars well wow. so it it produces Jeez. very much a, i smoked it one time in vietnam yeah i almost passed out huh. <laughs> it, yeah it went right to my head um huh. it, i you know if, if you don't dip tobacco if you dip sometimes you get that nicotine yeah, sure. rush this was like that 10 times that didn't 
Did you originally blend some of that into the Nika Rustica? No comment. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this this is fantastic information. So as far as as far as we can date it back, it, it is more or less um, originating from that region, if not directly in that uh, valley. Uh, fantastic to know. Yeah, I mean, or yeah, it's. Uh, I'm still in research about it. All right. You'll, still, you'll, you'll update us find when it. you find out, right? <laughs> Hopefully I can find a fossil. That would be <laughs> my ultimate dream. Hey, Nick. That's uh, really what I want to do. My question would be, in the history of cigars, like who was the first that sort of ventured into this for premium cigar usage? Like, wh- like when... It was all premium, man, because they were they were making... It was all, you know, first they started making cigars. It was like people were making them on homesteads. You know, it was like a cotton, almost like a cotton gin industry or mm. I don't even know what that means. But but what, what about what, what, me, what, no. what we as cigar smokers might know? Like what brands initially oh. sort of popularized this leaf? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that I knew... You know, when I was coming up in the industry, it, a lot of it was Connecticut cigars, man. I mean, yeah. Connecticut cigars were known all, you know, throughout the country and especially the Northeast. Um, you know, Connecticut brands, there was tons of Connecticut brands, Topstone, FD Grave, Moneymaker, you know, Farnham Drive. One, there was one called Black Hawk that was actually made out of Illinois. And Black Hawk was the chief of the Broadleaf. That's where the name ah comes from is that old brand so that kind of isn't uh henry clay considered one of the pioneers henry clay great broadleaf um man to my knowledge you know excalibur number three um there was a gentleman named frank ionessa who was a broadleaf master if you can find anything on frank um he's a, a legend um and he made you know a lot of those brand hoya punch um, Excalibur, um, you know, before they were, they were, he was purchased. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cigar makers have made, you know, use broadleaf throughout, throughout time. All right. So let's go back to something you said earlier about the, the, uh, the blending capabilities of this and what, what kind of leaves it that you, that you generally use, you, you talked about, uh, you know, it being a, a great kind of medium for using uh, the San Andreas, the, the Hero leaves. Uh, t- talk about how you blend with uh, Broadleaf and what can be expected in general from these types of blends and what flavor profile they put forth as a kind of broad stroke general. Flavor country. <laughs> Straight up flavor country. Um, you know, it's definitely... For someone that likes a milder, lighter-bodied, smoother cigar, um, this would probably not be. I would recommend to that person to have it, you know, after a nice meal, after you know a good steak dinner. Um, but it, 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 to me, it's rich. It's got a lot of depth. It's got complexity. It has those more those dark espresso, those cacao kind of notes, which I. I just love that combination. And that's why, you know, guys ask me a lot of times about pairings. I, I am a, a, a coffee pairing because that's how I start my day in the factory is coffee 
and cigars. And I think it's just a really good combination. They complement each other um, with those kind of earthy, you know. And to me, again, that's what's different about Broadleaf. It, it has some very nice subtle sweetness to it. It's almost like uh, miel, like honey sometimes, um, which you don't get, I think, when you grow that seed in other countries. Um, so, you know, broadly from Pennsylvania, not, not saying it's a bad tobacco. It's just not as have that sweet. It's a little bit more rustic, you know, when it's grown in other other regions, my opinion. So do you use Pennsylvania, Connecticut at all or? I've or, I'm used, sorry, Pennsylvania used broadleaf. it here and there, but um, I definitely am biased yeah. towards towards broadleaf. Um, again, I don't necessarily think there's tobaccos that are better than other tobaccos, and I don't see it like that. What makes it better or worse is how it's fermented, how it's sorted, selected. You know, that's what makes it, it, it better or worse. Also, the seed varieties, of course, and how it's grown, but... Um, it's just not for me like what I prefer in flavor profile. So to me, the combination between that Connecticut and the Nicaraguan filler tobaccos is just it's just hits again on all those those levels that I want in a cigar. And um, yeah, it's it, you know it's cool being from Connecticut. I when you know I was 24 when I moved to Nicaragua and. Being from Connecticut, you know, you, when you're young, you always want to get out and, you know, uh, I can't stand it. You know, so I find myself, I traveled around the world and ended up in Nicaragua. And now I'm amongst all these amazing, you know, artisans and cigar legends and, you know, Cubans that had, uh, you know, moved to Nicaragua over the years. And when they say, de donde eres, where are you from? And you say Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut, you know, every cigar maker knows Connecticut. So that was like one of the first times where I was like, yeah, Connecticut, <laughs> Connecticut yes, of course. That's what makes us, you know, Connecticut tobacco. We got some, we got some ballers here. We got some basketballers. <laughs> so let's, but, let's jump into this pairing real quick. Um, and, and Nick, you kind of, uh, you touched on it and, uh, um, this is why we ended up going with coffee. Randy says that, uh, and I've heard you say it many times, you think that coffee, like you just said, is one of the best pairings. And you can do a lot of different things with coffee. You can you can be a wuss and put uh, Shut uh, up, cream Robbie. and sugar cream. in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, that, I'm just, I'm I just, like a little you, bit of cream, Robbie. I like I mean, a little I, bit of half and half. Mm. It's got to be half and half for that that cream, but it depends on the coffee, too. Exactly, but you could there's, yeah. to say that we're pairing with coffee is to say that we're pairing with a Nicaraguan cigar. I mean, there's it's, right, it's, right, right. It, it, we're painting in very broad strokes at that point. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I went with kind of a mass market Starbucks holiday blend, which is uh, uh, dark roast, um, according to the the writing on the little cup. You know, it said dark roast, um, and it's uh, I know I don't know the origin of the beans or anything like that, but it does have a nice. Uh, earthy flavor to it, a little bit of sweetness. One thing that I was getting from this pairing with the coffee, I have since moved on uh, into uh, the big boy juice, but um, I didn't want to have too much of the coffee, but I wanted enough to get an idea of the flavor. I was getting like, I, it was bringing out an interesting kind of uh, butterscotch mm -hmm. kind of 
sweetness mm. that was really activating like those taste buds that are kind of on the sides of your tongue, you know? Mm. It's a little bit of, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit bitter, but uh, really sweet, goes with that chocolate and the, uh, the earth. Um, I'll just, I mean, for me, this, this pairing is a definite thumbs up. I've never thought of the Tabernacle as a cigar that I would uh, smoke first thing in the morning. Uh, but uh, now I now, <laughs> right. now, now I feel like I could. Let I, me tell you the Corona. You get the Corona going in the morning. Woo. Well, don't I have to be like part of a special club to smoke that? Isn't that? Uh, <laughs> oh, is that what? Is that how that works? You I guess I wasn't. I wasn't invited. I don't know. That's oh, just the collector's geez. Corona. They do have oh, Corona. I was talking in, about the standard. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I see. No. I, but yeah, anyway, this in this size too. I mean, I, I don't always have uh, time for a, a Toro in the morning, but uh, yeah, this this cigar, man, it's it doesn't look like it, but it's super elegant in the flavors. It's there's a lot going, and when I say it doesn't look like it, it's it's an aggressive looking cigar. Yeah, it's rustic, it's, man. It's almost intimidating. Yeah. yeah. And but when you once you you kind of get past that you you smoke it there's there's definite spice and there's definite uh, it's definitely got some strength to it some kick to it but there's just so much elegance in the way that you've blended these heavier heavier tobaccos to get these subtle flavors to come out is really impressive I I just I've loved this cigar really since day one but uh, it's this is a nice refresher for me to remind me how how cool it is to smoke something that I know has so many heavy heavy tobaccos in it. And to really be able to get a bunch of nuance to come out is uh, it, it just makes for a really interesting smoke. Yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate that because that's exactly you know what I was going for, and I think it is you know that broadleaf that really brings it all together Absolutely. because it 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 is thicker you know, and definitely the tabernacles they're rustic you know because I like to grab sometimes you know those cigars that especially the broadleaf ones that are not always maybe the most aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, to your eye, because sometimes those smoke the best or they have a lot of tooth. Um, so I think you gotta, this is a good transition. This cigar, you're really going to like in the morning. This is the new David and Goliath. Um, this is a short perfecto. Um, but this is like perfect. I can't, I can't put these, these down. I smoke these and like the Coronas, the regular Coronas in the morning, but what yeah. uh, what all d did you do on uh, differently on that one? This one is tweaked is tweaked in the fillers, so it, it's you know the San Andreas, this is the broadleaf, but the Visos and the Ligeros are adjusted um, according to the size, and then the bigger one, you know, the the same. So so the Goliath is is going to be stronger, that kind of thing, or it is, but again, it's not, you know, I. It's not o over overwhelming. Again, it depends on the palate, right? I mean, because everybody's really is going to taste this, um, you know, a little bit differently. But like Rob was saying, it's not, you know, it's heavier. There's a lot of heavier filler tobaccos in it, but it's not, you know, I, I don't like anything that's going to jade the palate or rip my palate, you know, apart. But I want that flavor. I still want strength. And I still want body and, and complexity to it. Um, and, yeah, I think that, that's where the tabernacle hits. Right. Yeah. Well, well I'll tell you, uh, you know, since I 
cracked out my Be More 1600 Plus to home roast this bean, uh, and, and and to just that second crack. Yeah, uh, you do you do get a little bit more more bitterness um, from the coffee that is uh, totally offset by some of that uh, sweet richness from the cigar. So it it, it really it really does give that juxtaposed kind of it, it still has that roastiness. It still has that that deeper um, earthy character. But but I, I am finding that these are um, very very different on the palate when you, you take a swig of the coffee and you get that bitter sharpness and then uh, the cigar totally smooths that out. Uh, to Rob's point about the spiciness, you know I almost expect this to have more of a black pepper punch to it, but it, mm. it, it's it's really kind of a smooth spice. You know you, you do get more of that cabinet spice. It's not all just esteli, you know black pepper. Um, which I think, you know, following you just from from a distance, Nick, I, I think I, I might have expected more of that. And and this is very pleasant. You know, the spice just kind of stays along with the coffee. It lingers on the palate. It's like right there ready to, to go with the coffee on the next sip. Um, so since Rob jumped ahead and, and, and uh, gave it a thumbs up already, I also give this pairing a thumbs up. Um, it's also going really nicely with my my mocha stout and oh, and, nice. my, and my rye for that matter. So uh, yeah, nice. definitely a thumbs up all all across. And I think it's great, you know, the the rustic uh, visual that you get from this because it is a little bit toothy. You have some some color changes as there's more pressure uh, in in parts of the bunch uh, kind of protruding through. I love the the very simple band just the black and gold with obviously a, a little bit of red I, I i think that kind of goes right along with that rustic look yeah when that band was printed because you, when you see it on the screen you know it's one the graphic image sure, when those sure. were printed you know and they got the gold embossing and everything and then we put it on the cigar it was just like the heavens parted. <laughs> and there's, it was, yeah. Which is interesting that we're doing this because coffee, you know, we, as you know, on the band there is the uh, emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie. Mm. Coffee, um, do you guys know the origin story of coffee? It was invented in 1863, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> so coffee comes from Ethiopia originally. Right. So coffee was said that there was this um, goat herder uh -huh. and he would observe his goats eating these berry bushes and they would call them the laughing goats because they would kind of get spastic after. Um, so a lot of these goat herders were actually uh, priests that were living in like monasteries. So they eventually made a porridge kind of out of it and then eventually took the bean out and roasted it and they initially used it you know, as to, to stay up at night for prayer so they wouldn't mm. fall asleep. So whenever you actually uh, go to Ethiopia or have a traditional coffee ceremony, the Ethiopians, they bring out coffee with frankincense and myrrh, and it's kind of like a whole, a whole ceremony. But okay. from there, I guess it went to kind of Omen, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and then started being trading across the world. Yeah, I we think that tabernacle jo connection. Jordan, I yeah. would say uh, the cool thing about this pairing or about this cigar maybe is the fact that I can be here with my coffee and then I can switch to my bourbon and I also have mm. my Topo Chico. <laughs> <laughs> and the cigar just it just cruises right along with all of these. Yep. Like uh, sometimes you'll yep. we'll ha we'll be doing these pairings 
on Wednesday night, and like you'll, I'll switch to my bourbon, and I'm like, oh, 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 can't go there because it just it overruns the cigar. But not this it, cigar can handle almost any pairing. Yeah, it's like this cigar is a little kind of almost like a chameleon. It it, it is able <laughs> to adapt to these, you know, different flavors without you know getting overrun ever. Like it's always seems to be like the master of these, uh, you know, these pairings. Jordan, what do you think of of yours? Um, it's a great pairing. Uh, I, I, it's it's not like the most complex pairing. I would say it's it's, it's but which is not a bad thing. You know, sometimes you you, ha- you hit something just right, and I want just that to continue the whole way through, and that's what it's doing. The cigar is basically straight up Hershey's syrup, like heavy bittersweet texture on the tongue, and then the coffee is like bringing more like a nuttiness to it. It's like it's almost like Hershey's covered nuts. It's it's a delicious pairing. Jordan, let's see that. Can we see that cigar for a second? Can you hold it up to the camera? Yeah. Oh, it's hitting the light. It looks like super oily. Those things are like almost four years old. Super oily. At, at least. Burning perfectly. Phenomenal pairing, boys. That, that blend had more Phenomenal. in it, so that that should have held up a little bit more. Beautiful. What should have held up? Well, because it, it has a little bit more Ligero in that blend, which was the collector's box. So to me, they, they age out. You know, they still keep, you know, body strength. Sometimes, to me, if cigars are aged too long, again, they go past a point yeah, right. where there's, like, nothing left to them sometimes. And I think when you have heavier tobaccos, heavier fillers, heavier binder, you know, wrappers – they're, they're thicker, they're veinier. Again, you have more cellular structure in the leaf, so they age out a little bit more as if you were dealing with a blend that was like all Seiko, you know, light Connecticut shade. That with time would, to me, potentially get, you know, too too mild, to lose too much. Does that make sense? Oh, that's pretty, it's Absolutely. pretty heavy hitting still. Giddy Tremendous. up. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. And it's it, just to echo what you guys are saying, I switched over to the, the SAG Jr., which checks in at 64.2%. So that's it's an aggressive, uh, aggressive whiskey. And uh, the transition was really smooth. Uh, there was a moment where uh, the three of us were on the screen. I wasn't allowed to talk early. Randy wouldn't let me, but um, I, you see me take a sip and I kind of like get this like big smile on my face because I just switched to the whiskey. And after having the, the coffee, which was much more earthy and a little bit of bitterness to it, switching over to the whiskey, like it tasted so, so sweet. Um, but the, the pairing still really works. There's a, that flavor hook of that, that kind of earthy sweetness is still really in there. I get a lot of peanut notes out of this now, too, that I've switched over to the, the whiskey, too. And that, that, it's, it's, a, it's a black pepper, but it's, maybe it's more of a white pepper, too, kind of a combo of the two that hits on the retro hail for me. Is, uh, it's really pleasant. It's not overwhelming. You expect it to be, based on the look of the cigar. You're, like Randy was saying, you expect that. Uh, a lot of uh, that Esteli Lajero black pepper burn on the retro. You don't get that. It's a, it's no. just, it's much smoother. The the heat is still there, and that pepper flavor is still there. Maybe it's more of a peppercorn than uh, than um, than true black pepper, but it's it's just a nice spice that kind of breaks everything up. It's uh, it's just a really good cigar. We could talk for an hour about how great this cigar is. Actually, we already have, but we could do it. <laughs> But uh, no, this is uh, this is great. This is uh, and the the history that you've given us uh, is is great. 
Phenomenal. I, I, I want to ask, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but do you remember what cigar it was, or do you remember a time where you smoked something and it it turned out that it was Connecticut Broadleaf and like you you had to figure out what it was. Like what is it that I'm smoking that tastes like this? Mm. I know it's a really say this again. Question, say this, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Say it again. So like, like I was like, smoking something you, I didn't know it like, was broadleaf. Like for you, when you were smoking, like when you first fell in love with broadleaf, I guess. Like what was it that really kind of the maybe a, a cigar or a moment that you can remember where you were smoking something and you didn't really know that it was broadleaf, but you you were you had to you had to find out what it was. It turned out it was broadleaf, and that's kind of changed really? your uh, cigar life, so to speak. I I got to tell you, it was you know. Hoya de Monterey, Rothschild, 50-count box. This is when they came, no bands, no cellophane. This is when Frank Ionessa was making them. And they were like, no cellophane. I used to open those boxes at the store, and it was like a religious experience. And I didn't realize, you know, that it was Broadleaf at the time. And that also Excalibur number three. I mean, you know, this is 95, 96. Um, yeah, it was just like, wow. I knew the Connecticut cigars because there was I had tons of customers that smoked Connecticut cigars, and they were just, you know, more much more rustic. Again, not fermented as much as long, um, but man, you know, those sometimes, you know, I would smoke. I worked for two amazing ladies, um, and they, you know, smoke anything you want in the humidor. And I would, you know, smoke some of the Connecticut cigars sometimes. And they'd be like, what are you doing smoking that? You know, <laughs> this, you know, you can smoke anything in here. What, what do you say? I said, you know, sometimes when you open those box, the oils are hitting, you know, you got the tooth, you know, the aromas there. They were, they were phenomenal. Um, so, and then I just, re, you know, I used to, I used to hang around with my grandfather, you know, uh, my dad's father early on, he used to take me to Mr. Steak. And we used to go get lunch, and at the cash register, there was a humidor. It was a glass case humidor, like those old school, you know, glass cases where they had all the boxes, and he would get his his top stone, extra oscuro, and he would buy me, you know, a bubblegum cigar, and we used to walk out of there like a million (laughs) bucks. And he always had, you know, the broadleaf in his car. He used to drive around like a, uh, what was it, the cord, uh, I think it was a cordel or something, like big silver you know, uh, car and, uh, yeah, be smoking his broadleaf and taking me and my brother around, you know? So it's it's in your blood, man. It just always, I I just always enjoyed, you know, the aroma. And so, you know, being able to sit down with my other grandfather, you know, when I was 18 and have a cigar, it was like, you know, I'm hooked. Nick, I'm I'm in, I'm all in. If you had to give like three, give us like three adjectives or flavor descriptors that just generally describe broadleaf. Earthy, naturally sweet, um, dark espresso. Mm. Right. Love it. We'll, we'll use that. We still have three more broadleaf shows to go. Um, so, so if I can ask you, you know, so, something we've talked about uh, previously in this season, you know, and, and you touched on it with uh, talking about. Uh, how Ecuador has become a uh, a, a famed area for uh, a growing region for wrapper tobaccos. And, and you see these variations or these original varietals move to other. 
And originally, they always denote that, you know, Corojo 99 or Ecuadorian Sumatra. And, and as time progresses and as those areas become more well-known uh, than the original, they end up just dropping the 99. And so there's there's no more, like, clear denotion b- b- between Corojo and Corojo 99. Um, yeah. And, and you see it now uh, with Connecticut Shade. You know, they don't even bother saying Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade anymore. Yeah. With, with the diminishing yields and acreage uh, that we see happening in Connecticut, do you see another growing region that could possibly take up the torch for Connecticut Broadleaf and do uh, you know justice to this original leaf that, that we've all learned to love? I don't think for the pre for the cigars that the premium handmaids. I think for the premium handmaids, you just can't you can't replica, you can't replicate. You know, for the mass market stuff, that's already been happening, because the mass market smoker is not as as we know nearly discerning, and they're using you know them for other means. Mm-hmm. So in that. Yeah, the mass market, yeah, in the premium handmaids, you know, I, I don't think you can really compare to the shade, right? So this is my opinion. Why not if it happened with shade? Shade was much more of a thinner, lighter, I would say, generally speaking, more of a neutral style tobacco. Okay, okay so they were... They were able to make the change. The industry was able to make the change without the consumer being like, what's going on? Although a lot of guys that smoked shade from Connecticut would 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 know. The broadleaf is not thin. It's not more neutral. It's very, you know, thick, more robust, heavier body, heavier flavor, and you know, a lot more um, a lot more flavors. Yeah. Right? So I don't you know, I've tasted other tobacco to say that other broadleaf being grown in other countries, will it be good? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're not going to have good leaves. I just, you're not going to get the same. It, okay. it, I think the uniqueness of broadleaf, and I think that's the, the same with the Cuban seed grown in the Connecticut Valley. It's thicker, it's heavier. And to me, it's, it's much different than Habano Ecuador. You know, Habano's coming from Nicaragua. Habano's, you know, it's very oily. It's got that Cuban spice. It's got that, you know, some sweetness to it also. So I don't think those leaves, uh, those seed varieties as much can be replicated in that way for for handmaids. Yeah. Great. Thank you. You know, it's been it's been a question because you see uh, and uh, obviously the Nicaraguan uh, broadleaf has been out for a while, but it seems to be. I don't know if it's the acreage is catching up or the or the fermentation and aging time is catching up, but you see kind of more mentions of that, um, uh, you know, on the radar of some manufacturers. And so I, I was just curious if you saw someone else being yeah, able to fill that gap. I think it's interesting. You do see some people trying to sneak by with just saying broadleaf now instead <laughs> of instead of where it's coming from. I right. would like to, you know, uh, I mean. That's why on, on, on my new uh, David and Goliath, you'll see Connecticut Broadleaf, you know, right on the right on the boxes. So. Terrific. And that'll yeah. be shipping when? 
<laughs> so we, yeah, we just started shipping. So be specific, because uh, Randy gets really upset. <laughs> Does he? Does he? Oh shit! I, so, I, I and, checked my Robinhood account, and then I checked for for those dang Elbow Wednesday five year. Right? Every, every before I even get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, the five year is going to be tough, and the David and Goliaths are just going to be tough, just because of the quantity right now. And um, they're so every they're starting to hit now. So just today before the the show, I started seeing. Um, a lot of uh, foundation shops starting to post, oh, you know, great. that they're getting them in stock. So if you look at like the foundation timeline, you'll see um, we usually repost, you know, all of, um, you know, our, our, our customers uh, and partners stuff so people can see. And then, uh, yeah, it's just going to be tough because some people pre pre sold some of them, you know, stuff like that. So but, in the short term, they may be hard to find, but uh, yeah, ho hopefully we're going to get um, another small dose out just before Thanksgiving. But it's um, yeah, it was it was either release them now or wait until, you know, really after the new year. So so they'll, they'll, uh, there, there may not be yeah. a steady stream, but uh, they'll, they'll be popping up. So you can keep an eye out for that. That's good. Yeah. And you repost everything or you repost a lot of stuff of. Of, uh, of shops that have your uh, that are carrying your new stuff so that's a, a good way to find it too perfect Most definitely awesome awesome nick this has been a blast man i almost yeah, hate I hope, to, uh, to, yeah. to pull the plug on it but uh i have a it's feeling 10 huh i have a feeling given your reputation that we'll probably do this again yeah next time <laughs> uh you know i'll bring the uh the the, the keynote presentation so nice <laughs> yeah, absolutely nice I, 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 you may be kidding. Randy would be excited. I, I was going to say, have, I'm going to be hitting you up for that presentation either, yeah. right? <laughs> I, you know, highlighters it's not, out, ready to it's go. not done. It's, it's, it's in process. So I keep on working on it here and there. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely try to try to get it done. Awesome, awesome. man. Well, we awesome. really appreciate you coming through. I'm a huge fan. Uh, we'll, I'll continue to buy and smoke everything that you make. And uh, thank you for spending the time tonight to talk about Broadleaf. We're really excited about kicking off uh, this wrapper uh, with the man most synonymous with popularizing it in the premium segment. So, I appreciate that, Randy. It's been it's been nice to finally talk and and catch up a bit. Very cool. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys. I, I I love being on. Love what you guys do. I'm gonna definitely check out this show um, more often. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. You just let the cat out of the bag that you didn't watch the show. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, it's. I don't know where the time goes. Um, uh, there's, there's so many. There's a lot of shows out there. You've got. I'm just happy that we're on your radar now. Uh, no, you, it's uh, not that I. To be honest with you, I don't get time to watch. You know, we're. Stuff. It's been five years, man, and it's just been nonstop. Like I don't even know where it, where it's been. So I'm trying to like do a better job of just kind of like disconnecting, you know, what, yeah. you know, on the weekends and kind of cause yeah. So I, I try to, I geek out on like ancient Egypt stuff and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And, but I, I definitely will check out your, what do you guys, are you also on like, um, like, like iTunes and stuff like that or. Oh, Is yeah. it just online? Actually, yeah. th thank you for asking. You can download yeah. the Flavor Odyssey podcast wherever you download your podcast. Apple, iTunes, and wherever you get your... Uh, Spotify? Know, Give us a five-star uh, rating, you yeah, jerks. Spotify, <laughs> two, <I believe>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us, uh, 
I'm gonna look you up right now. Give us a five. Give us a five-star rating, you jerks. Is that really? Is that, <laughs> that's, that's my pitch. That's my pitch. That's, that's Jordan's pitch right there. Yeah. The, awesome. Well done. Well done, no. Jordan. Awesome. All right, boys. What's going on this Friday with uh, Smoke Night Live? Ah, Smoke Night Live is going to be fun. We're going to be uh, doing one of our most popular segments, which is the uh, cigar industry stock market. So we'll have a panel of experts. Right now we've got uh, Coop, uh, obviously, will be on the show. Uh, Kevin Shahan from Cigar Prop, Emmett Malone from Blind Man's Puff, and we'll be asking them, should we buy, hold, or sell stock in all of your favorite uh, cigar companies based on their performance this year? Who knows? Maybe you'll even, uh, we'll even give some advice on Foundation Cigar Company. We'll see if they're one of the ones that we pick. But uh, that, it's always a fun show when we do that. If, if, if Robbie can join, he will as well. But if not, we'll have the all-star panel uh, without him. It's going to be blast. That's Friday night. And then next Friday night, the week after that, because it's almost Halloween, we have to have Pete Johnson on the show. So Pete will be on the Halloween episode. That's the 30th of October. Wow. The Halloween episode is like is literally the day. Halloween on a Saturday, and like we can't even be within five feet of each other. How terrible is that? Yeah, right? I don't think That's there just... was ever a Halloween on a Saturday when I was a kid. Just just didn't happen. <laughs> no, it's like when, when we were in elementary school or high school, it was always on like a Tuesday. Yeah. You know? Like, and, and then everybody knows you can't call in sick the day after Halloween, or you can't, <clears throat> I have a sore throat <laughs> or something. Nobody believed you. Uh, now we finally get it. But um, anyway, so that's cool. Uh, Randy, what uh, do we have? I'm leaving it to you because yes. I'm not sure which uh, cigar we are smoking next week. Well, as it turns out, as I had a little extra time on my hands in, in the last couple of weeks, uh, we have already set up uh, the pairings for the rest of the Connecticut wrapper. We have. Uh, we have. Was I involved uh, so, in that conversation? Uh, you were, you know, here and there. You were doing some other things. You had I, another I was, conversation. I was the guy on the, on the Zoom call who was, like, <laughs> looking in the other direction. And, like, yeah, okay, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that was that uh, guy. So next Wednesday, we will be smoking the Herrera Esteli Broadleaf and pairing that with rum. Uh, following that, we will go to the Jacob's Ladder and a Russian Imperial Stout. And we will finish the Broadleaf segment with the Crown Heads Yellow Rose with Rob's most exciting uh, cocktail, the Dark and Stormy, which he basically called out before we even planned what this this whole uh, season was going to be about. He wanted to pair something with the Dark and Stormy, so uh, we're going to finish off the Broadleaf with that cocktail. Beautiful. I'll have to uh, share my recipe, because my recipe is a little bit different than... Uh, than of the, course. The, 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 of course it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you roast your own beans, I tweak your cocktail recipes. It's just part, <laughs> it's just part of the deal. Uh, so yeah, so that's going to be... Next week's going to be a blast. Uh, we'll have some rum and, uh, and the Herrera Esli Broadleaf. Um, Nick, one more time. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you being here. This was a blast. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. We couldn't have uh, kicked off Broadleaf any better. Thanks, everybody who tuned in live on Facebook. If you're listening on podcast, we appreciate you all for uh, checking out the show and helping spread the word. We will be Give back. Give us a five-star rating, you jerks. You jerks. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, everybody stay, uh, be happy, be healthy, be kind to each other. We'll catch you all next week as the Odyssey continues.